feel worthless. I just can't handle it all. I feel like a stranger in my own family. We do life better together. It's Mental Health Monday with Chloe and Ellerina. Yes, it is. We enjoy educating and helping our Gold Coast audience and Queensland audience with some tips and tricks as to how to live a better life mentally. Yeah, definitely. It's a topic that we're quite passionate about here and, um, you know, especially over over the year or so it's that we've been, had. Yeah. It's, it's been <laughs> it's important. a bit off for a lot of people, mm. but um, there are still other things that are happening in the world as well that people may be struggling with as well. And uh, the, the person that we're speaking to today, I'm, I'm so excited to chat to. She is an author, speaker. Um, she's a coach in personal and professional develop- development and wellness. Her name is Deborah Stathis. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on the show. So oh. great to have you. So great. Now, Deborah, you're, you came about this sort of, I guess, this level of uh, wellness uh, that you're at at the moment because you do coach wellness and per- yes. personally and professionally because yes. you, you suffered a near-fatal car accident some years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that happened? Absolutely, absolutely. So I, uh, yes, definitely was a nasty car accident um, a long time ago, uh, so it's over tw- just over 20 years now. Um, I was involved in a very nasty car accident, so I, um, I'm very grateful that I was the only one in the car and that nobody else got hurt but me. Uh, I hit an oil slip slick on a slippery wet highway and mm. um, went around a bit of a bend. I'm very grateful to, to know that I wasn't speeding or doing anything foolish. Um, but I, I, as an inexperienced driver, I literally just had gotten my licence. Um, I, I fishtailed uh, and the I don't actually remember this due to my injuries, but the... Uh, the police report and the witnesses said that I, I, it looks like I put my foot on the brake, which is the worst thing you can do on a wet, in a wet environment like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, car went into the gravel uh, on the side of the road, back of my hatch lifted, spun around and bananaed around a telegraph pole mm-hmm. in my 1985 Toyota Corolla Seeker with no airbags. Oh. So yeah, impact on the driver's side door, steering wheel was pretty much in the middle of the car with me squashed in there. Oh my goodness. How yeah. <laughs> how did you even begin to uh, try and recover from that? Well, look, I, I was um, uh, I'm very lucky that there were witnesses, and one of those well, the two strong men and a qualified nurse and her daughter, qualified resuscitator, stopped. The nurse instructed the men to um, get into the back of the, my hatch and hold my head straight so she could clear debris from my mouth so I could breathe. <sighs> Um, so it's like some sort of divine intervention. Yeah. It was incredible. Um, I was then at um, in emergency, uh, you know, the CFA had to come and, and the country, uh, Fire Brigade actually had to come and cut me out of the car and um, ambulance to the local hospital, which case I was then airlifted to uh, the Alfred, one of um, Melbourne's, which uh, um, has the largest intensive care unit. Uh, prognosis was brain damage, blind in the right eye. And uh, physically deformed. Most of the injuries uh, were my face and my my skull. Oh. So uh, to be blunt, uh, <laughs> I quite literally smashed in my face. 
uh, with yeah. some of the worst breaks being the skull base, which if you think of your head sideways, if you like horizontally, <laughs> um, what your brain sits on internally. Yeah. Uh, so right through the sinuses and through there. So I have oh. uh, an acquired brain injury. Uh, I have had my face reconstructed and uh, a brain surgery, neurosurgery as well. Uh, I did sustain lung contusion, so bruising, bleeding to the lungs and partially collapsed left lung, but that's very minor in comparison to the face and brain injury. So, Mm. yeah. (laughs) Well, it seems as though that reconstruction has been successful because I'm looking at a picture of you and you look absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, you're stunning. Uh, But obviously (laughs) the reconstruction of your mental well-being would have been a whole different journey. You have written a book called Beyond Trauma, Turn Tragedy into Opportunity. Tell us how you sort of turned that around. And and that's um and, and that's really the key. See the the it started in the hospital. You know, I, I'm I'm I was that, that same determination that <laughs> saw me trying to escape the hospital wearing nothing but my gown and holding my drips. Oh. Um, yeah, was an impa- an empowering position for me. So um it Probably the best way for me to to describe uh, how how I did this and how I changed the trajectory of my life is to to share a story. Would that would that be okay? Yeah, please. We are going to go to a quick song, but we'll be back right after this with Deborah Stathis and how she turned her tragedy into opportunity. This is Good Taste Brecky. This is Good Taste Brecky with Chloe and Ellerina on Juice 1073. And if you've just joined us, we are in the middle of speaking with author, speaker, coach in personal and professional development and wellness, Deborah Stathis. And we are chatting how she turned her tragedy into opportunity. So when I was in the hospital, the the mirrors had been covered because I had caught a glimpse of myself and... uh, well, that didn't go down well, as you can imagine. Right. Um, yeah, and um, I don't really I have a dream-like memory of it. It's not overly clear to me. Um, that said, I, when I, I was then moved from the hospital to a rehabilitation centre and I was alone in my little room. The drugs were clearing, the brain injury was settling, you know, the, the you know, swelling, et cetera, and all the things that... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> impact your ability to think. Yeah. Um, and I was sitting on my own in, on my little bed and in my little room was a little basin and a mirror that was not covered. And I sat there and I saw it and I thought, come on, Deb, go and look. So I, I don't know how long it took me, but I walked over and I had my head bowed for a bit because I was mustering up the courage to look at my face. Mm. But I did. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and I looked hard and I cried oh. <laughs> because at that point um, my face, particularly the the, the right side, um, was sunken inwards and lower. My right eyelid was closed and I'd lost um, the ability to, to um, because of nerve damage, which healed thankfully, but nerve damage to actually control my eyelid, open or close it. My eye was fixed and dilated um, and... You know, there was cuts and bruising and and swelling and half my head was shaved from the brain surgery. Uh, So I have a scar at the top of my head for where some metal pins were put into my forehead and where the brain surgery was done. And I I sat, I cried, I looked at it and then I I I remember I I pulled the 
scarf that I had covering the scar and half my shaved head off and I looked at it and I, I just I sat there and I thought, oh my God, this is real. And then through my tears, I looked and I went, okay, hang on, you're here now. What are you going to do? Mm. Because in that small room, was a, that was the representation of all the limits that I could hear doctors t- speaking about me to my family. Now, I could hear them, and, and it wasn't because anyone was you know, trying to be offensive or not think of me. I was, you know, incredibly, um, incredibly hurt um, and not able to make certain decisions, obviously. But I could hear she won't be able to do this. She won't have a she, – she, she'll be reliant. She, she may not be able to learn. She might not know who you are. Um, she, she may never be independent. Uh, you know, she won't look the same. And I sat there and that little room represented those limitations. And I looked at myself and I said, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. You're here now. What are you going to do? And then I looked forward. So there was fear. The fear, it was fear of accepting those limitations and accepting what I saw. I channeled that and went, I'm going to use, I'm not going to give in to that and, and accept that as my fate. I'm going to take that feeling of fear and I'm going to go the other way. Wow. Wow. That, That's crazy. I beat the odds from there on. I wowed them from there on in the rehabilitation centre. I was released early and I'm now proud to say I broke pretty much every medical odd against me. Wow. That is amazing. That's great. You do have a choice when you're yeah, in that situation. You definitely do. How did you mentally make that decision, though? Because there will be people that are going through um, similar things where they do need to be able yeah. to make that choice. What would you be able to you suggest? say to them to, to be able to get that mental space that you ended up in? What I've learnt... Um, from that moment, and, and also I, I then went into it professionally with coaching qualifications and human behavioural coaching practices, et cetera, and I, the research has been endless for me, <laughs> um, relentless pursuit. Uh, and, and what I will share is that it's about perspective and focus and, and understanding that feelings and emotions are there. So when we judge them as bad for example, fear is bad. The instinct is often to retreat. Oh, I'm scared. I'm going to retreat. I'm going to stick with the limitations. However, what we don't often realize is that we have the choice. We actually have the choice and the power to begin again at any time. And I find that quite liberating. I found mm. that very liberating that I could authentically reinvent myself, uh, you know, however I wanted <laughs> from that mm. moment onwards. Wow. So it's about looking at the focus, look, looking at, at how accepting that feeling and saying, yes, I feel fear and that, that's okay. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. It is my choice now as to what I do with that because it's an energy. So when we, when we look at our perspective of fear, we don't need to retreat. We can use that. We can say, well, hang on. It's more scary to stay where I am. What's the long-term effect of that? Right. So looking at, looking at channeling that emotion accepting it for what it is, but using it as a sign. So emotions are signs. The way we feel is a sign to do something, to act. So nothing changes unless we act. Mm. Think, Focus on what you do have and can do, not on what you can't have mm. or don't have or think you can't do. Look forward. 
Yeah. And I'd, I would That's imagine it would be a day-by-day battle as well, mm. something yes. that you have to focus on every day. Deborah Stathis, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, and you. your input has been valuable. If you want more information, you can head to her website, tragicopportunities.com, or you can check out her book, which is called... Beyond Trauma, Turn Tragedy into Opportunity. Deborah, thank you so, so very much for chatting us, chatting to us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute privilege.